This is a Rooster Teeth production. Welcome to a very special edition of Tales from the Stinky Dragon, Betwixt the Tales, as uh, Blaine likes to call it. Ah. <laughs> we just wrapped up arc three of Tales from the Stinky Dragon, and uh, we're, we're, we have a, a, a little recap. So we, before we start the next arc, we want to have a little intermission, a little pause where we recap the story so far, and uh, we give our, our hardy adventurers an opportunity to level up. It's been a little while since you all leveled up. You calling us fat? <laughs> hardy. Rotund. Rotund. Robust. Hey, that's accurate for Bart, baby. <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a stout little boy. Mm-hmm. But full of charm. So what was the last time you guys did actually level up? Oh, my God. Well. 15 years ago. After we saved Sleek. Mm. Or went, went out with Sleek or fought Sleek. <laughs> we went after we with, went on a date with Sleek. With <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we did with Sleek. <laughs> so I think these are great. these are great opportunities for people who maybe haven't listened to the entire show so far to get caught up. You know, we'll do a story recap. That way you know everything that's happened so far, and you can hopefully just jump right into the next arc and and have fun with us. Yeah. Also, speaking of Sleek, we have uh, one of our producers, or actually both of our producers, and one of them who voices Sleek. How did I... I butchered the introduction of that. Anyways, Ben and Mike are here. <laughs> oh. Woo! Flawless. <laughs> the people who make the show good. Yep. Yeah. So normally during the show, if you ever hear me muttering to myself or say that I'm talking to uh, another DM, it's either Ben or Micah. Micah does the absolute bulk of the writing for the show. And uh, both of them are, are there when we typically tape and uh, help me answer the, the weird little questions that the party comes up with and all the rule breaking. We deal with all the rule breaking that Chris tries to get away with. <laughs> We're the people that sweat in the background. <laughs> The, they're the people who are constantly typing in chat, just open the doors. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's uh, What's been like the most frustrating thing of like the past couple arcs that we've done that you guys have been like just fuming behind the scenes about? I still to this day, I think it's the just trying to open the door to the, the clock tower or the Glocken tower. <laughs> like it's, oh, yeah. It was. Oh, the, I turned into a spider, climbed up. And then got everybody up that way. And wasn't it just open? Like, what? Couldn't we have just like gone through it? It could have taken just five minutes. Just five minutes. Just walk yeah. through a door. Yeah. Wrong. It's fine. I just you know spent days and days writing stuff, but it, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> just give us a door. I thought there was a version of that where like we were all trying to figure out how to do it, and partway through, I thought I had figured it. I was like, oh, I could just use the door, and I thought I'd outwitted everyone, but then the door ended up being locked. So I'm still unclear with how that was supposed to go down. But I don't know. Says the guy who loves to break down doors. The door was locked and I didn't know what to do. We were supposed to go through the doors. Oh, okay. Maybe we could... <laughs> and don't you also have thieves tools? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'll, oh, oh, fun story. <laughs> um, that, that, I'm pointing at an attic door that's behind me that's connected to my office. I got locked out of that and I actually bought thieves tools and I was able to get myself in there. So like, wow. did they cost two silver? No, they were like, it was a gift from my girlfriend's mom. Uh, uh. It's really weird explaining to her why I wanted that gift. But anyways, I'm a lock picker now. <laughs> I can pick locks. <laughs> Everyone's got a side hustle. Blaine Gibson, lock picker. Could have gone with locksmith. No, lock picker. Lock picker. Well, uh, you know, we're talking about some of the things that we've encountered in the past episode. So I think that's a, a good time, a good time to segue to uh, our story recap. And uh, we can go over the story thus far uh, before we get into leveling you guys up. Uh, so the the story started so long ago when uh, the four of you answered an advertisement looking for interns for uh, the Infinites. The four of you, of course, being Kyborg, the Arcane Archer, Bart the Bard, Mud the Druid, and Gum Gum the Barbarian Wizard? Question mark. Wrong. No, wrong. You called Blaine something he's not. Yeah, I'm a fighter. He's a fighter. He's a fighter, but he's also. I know, but you called me. You called me a druid. You called me my base class, and you called Bart <laughs> his base class a bard. Yeah, stupid. What kind of dungeon master are you? I feel like this is somewhat aggressive. He's a fighter. He's <laughs> a. He, don't, don't let him call himself an archer because he's not. He's a fighter. But he is an arcane archer. Guess it's fine. We'll just get him in the next arc. They don't know what's coming. <laughs> 
<laughs> Win the battle, you know, lose the war. <laughs> Fine. Kyborg the fighter. Actually, that you got that backwards. It's, it's like lose the battle, win the war is what you were trying to do. No, you you win the battle today. He <laughs> <laughs> turned it around, little mental judo on you. All right, fine. Kyborg the fighter. Thank you. Uh, Bart the bard, Mud the druid, and Gum Gum the barbarian slash wizard question mark. Wizbarian. The Wizbarian. The Wizbarian. <laughs> yeah, Wizbarian. That's a cool class. It sounds like a Captain Crunch flavor. <laughs> sounds like a candy. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like sounds like something you feed children. <laughs> Mm. You all arrived at the mining town of Boulderay to answer the call uh, for to be infinite interns. The infinites, of course, are uh, well-known adventurers in this land who needed interns, and uh, you guys showed up. You immediately met Brink Tussler, who's a Kyborg's uh, one of Kyborg's best friends, uh, who was a wise-cracking warlock. Uh, you got into a little tussle with Tussler, uh, and he bested you. Fake news. And then you proceeded. <laughs> the look on Blaine's face as I say that. You were offered the job to be interns for the Infinites, who were a group of mighty adventurers known far and wide for their feats of heroism. Uh, however, the public did not know that they had gone missing and they were kidnapped by the mysterious Paralyte. Uh, you rescued the Infinite's gadgeteer, Dr. <clears throat> from one of his own inventions. Uh, and you were put to the test and guided by Sordo, the living sphere, who helped you train in order to help you find the four Infinites. Aleve, the Amender, Sleek, the Symphonious, Spectral, the Surreptitious, and Grizzly, the Groundbreaker. Oh, we haven't met Grizzly yet, have we? No. We have not. Almost like you've been through three arcs and there's four Infinites. Hold on. What? I just figured out something. Our storyline is just Ash Ketchum. We found mm. Dr. Ahem, which is our Professor Oak, and he is sending us out into the world to catch the Pokemon that have been <laughs> stolen by Team Rocket. Ooh. I like to believe it's actually Wizard of Oz. <laughs> well, along the way, we even found our rival, Gary, uh, Brink Tussler. <laughs> and we're making our way through magical lands, trying to find and collect these magical Pokemon. Some are great. Some are terrible. And uh, when we collect them all, we'll be the best that ever was. Gus is historically a huge Pokemon fan. Nothing's going to ever keep you down. You know me and Pokemon. <laughs> Can't get enough. This is literally the cartoon. No, it's got to catch them all. That's the phrase. <laughs> I think it's Wizard of Oz where all four of us were. It's the Tin Man, the Lion, uh, Dorothy, and what's this? Scarecrow. Scarecrow. And we're looking for the missing pieces of ourselves. Oh. Toto is Sordo, I guess. That rhymes. Uh <laughs> Let's see, who else? Which of you is which? I don't know. Wait, the witch or which of you is which? <laughs> I feel like I'm the tin man because of the arm and I don't have a heart. Yeah, Kybar's probably tin man. I would say probably uh, Mud would be the lion because animal. That's all. That's the reason. He's not scared. He's <laughs> an animal. Yet. Gum Gum is without brain, so he would be Scarecrow. Scarecrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes Bart Dorothy. And Bart's Dorothy? Bart's Dorothy. <laughs> we need to get you some ruby slippers. <laughs> you can see the resemblance. <laughs> Does that make Brink Tussler like the witch the beginning that dies? Maybe. <laughs> it could be, yeah. <laughs> the Wicked Witch of the East. Does this mean that, that Gum Gum's going to randomly show up at some point with just a, a gun? A revolver. Does that happen? When does that happen in Wizard of Oz? What is the reference? <laughs> the Scarecrow has a revolver in what? Wizard of Oz. He pulls what? out a gun when they're scared in the forest. Scare and they're like, they're looking around. He just, for what? some reason, they gave him a gun. Google it right now. It can't be true. And you will see him holding this very prop looking. Yo, what the hell? Silver pistol. <laughs> He's like, why? Scarecrow's got a gun. Oh my God. He's got a gun. <laughs> Where did he get that from? <laughs> That makes sense. That makes sense. He doesn't have a brain. How did I never notice this before? Wow. This is like Mandela effect. It really is. This is news to me. And also, like, story-wise, how does that make sense? There's got to be some sort of behind-the-scenes thing. That means that there are guns in Oz. Well, I mean, they have machines. They got machine guns. Apparently. Do you think the Tin Man was related to that gun? No, he was attracted to that gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh whoa no it's like my brother got melted down to make that gun <laughs> yeah well, now i can't wait three arcs from now when we have a t-shirt and it's all of the uh infinite interns drawn as wizard of oz characters but gum gum's holding a gun <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah gun gun Go, yep exactly <laughs> i do want to point out that i was the tin man in curtis middle school production of wizard of oz of course you were uh, thank you mm. 
I, I'm bowing. Bravo. Squeak, 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 squeak. Acting. Acting. Started at a young age. So you guys, you embarked on your first mission. You were sent to the small desert town of Pius Pass to pick up a package for Dr. M. Uh, but when you arrived, you found yourselves tasked with helping rescue the town cleric Mother Abby from jail after she was blamed for a mysterious curse that was spreading through the town, slowly killing the residents. You received a barber shop quartet haircut, broke into a pawn shop, did a, performed a zombie jailbreak, and eventually you uh, chased down the sheriff to reveal Mother Abby's true identity as Aleve the Amender, who was a brainwashed infinite turned evil who was slowly poisoning the town. Just as the interns were about to stop a leave, Paralyte arrived, took credit for saving the town, chased out in disgrace, the interns headed back to Boulderay, one infinite in tow, but not before Mud was given a prophecy from a local about not being able to run away from his past. Pass, Spooky. Pass, pass. <laughs> <laughs> After that, Dr. M <clears throat> split up the interns to help heal a leave of her ailments, finding a mix of medicine in the Elder Pine Forest, and her inbreather at the local temple of Daya, who is the deity of the deity of the realm. <laughs> uh, after successfully stabilizing her, the interns headed onto their next mission to find Sleek the Symphonious in the industrious city of Erbloom. Uh, arriving at the city, you all found it in utter chaos. The interns came face to face with their rival Brink Tussler, dying with a message from the future: find Brink in the past and work together to stop Sleek from freezing the city in time. A brink to the past. <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, they were sent back in time and began working with past brink in a city besieged by time, including stopping a sword sink sword, stopping a sword swinging ele wind elemental, uh, escaping a tyrannical cannibal and a T-Rex, and dealing with a sexy, sexy aurochs. Who can forget that aurochs? Mm. Mm. Eventually, uh, the interns were successfully able to turn back time and take on Sleek the Infinite, but Paralyte reveals herself once more to save the day, steal Sleek's magical loot, mortally wound uh, one of the Brink Tusslers while capturing the other and Sordo. Uh, the interns and Sleek escape at the last moment into a magic portal leading to who knows where. I was just realizing we still haven't found them. Correct. Who? Brink and Sordo. What they've been doing? We don't know. We're going to have to find out. That oh, well, they were captured. Last we saw, they were, because remember, I deez nussed uh, <laughs> Frank Tesla before I had to say goodbye. Uh, highlight. <laughs> classic. Classic. Wait. Okay. Paralyte, you're saying that she saved the day, you know, by stopping Sleek, but it was all like there was manipulation, stuff like that. What's like the common. Okay. So I know that the, the Infinites are like celebrities. They're like a superhero team, but like what's the commoner's opinion of Paralyte. Is she a supervillain or do they think she's a hero? Or do they know about her? Well, from what you saw, everyone in Pious Pass seemed really grateful to her for saving the town and was mad at you guys. Uh-oh. Interesting. Yeah, as far as Herbloom, uh, you all departed immediately right when that was resolving. So you didn't get a, a, a sense of what the town was feeling at that moment. She's pulling a syndrome from the Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah, causing oh. a problem to solve it herself. She's bigger. She's <laughs> Great villain. This is essentially us trying to figure out what this entire story is based off the whole yeah. time. Wizard of Oz, Pokemon. Uh, uh, it's Pokemon. Incredibles. Which one of you is Flash? Which one of you is Violet? <laughs> His name isn't Flash, it's Dash. Get it right. Oh, Dash, Dash. That's right. Can't use uh, an actual superhero Yeah, name. that would just be them infringing on DC Comics. <laughs> it's weird. When we originally Oops. pitched the show, we came to everybody and said, it's Wizard of Oz meets Pokemon meets The Incredibles. Yeah. The Incredibles. Yep. They said, no, we already have Ruby. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. So all of that leads us to our most recent arc, which we just wrapped up which kicks off three weeks after the incident in Erbloom. Uh, the interns in Sleek have been surviving in a frozen tundra. They come upon a wondrous cave belonging to a seemingly long-gone humanoid polar bears, we find out are called the Ishbjorn. Uh, and you all save an archaeologist named Archie uh, from becoming oh, yeah. a frozen dwarven popsicle. The interns pick up a mysterious amulet, discover they are in the land of Kaltberg, and follow Archie to one of its villages, Brumafume. Hey, you remember Archie now. Who was that, Chris? Yeah, I forgot about Archie. Was that Armando? Yes. Yeah. Did the voice? The, the village of Brumafume, like others in the land, seems to be populated by humanoid walrus race called the Valrossians that settled into this tundra some time ago. But after a rescue mission puts them at odds with some ghostly Ishbjorn and possessed Valrossians, the interns find themselves in the ethereal plane and coincidentally encounter a third infinite, Spectral the Surreptitious. 
Kyborg had a, a great escape in that episode from Broom of Fume, jumping out the window. Oh, yeah. That was like... I was going to say the highlight was when Brink Tussler tried to, to like stop us at Herbloom with the guards, and I just started popping off exploding arrows at their feet to make them stop. But yeah, that's that's the highlight of Stinky Dragon for me. It was jumping out of a window naked. <laughs> Total action hero. Yeah. Weird, it was the low light for all of us. <laughs> hey. Hmm. So the interns find Spectral to be bitter and aggrieved from having his Ishbjorn soulmate taken from him. Uh, she was Yumi, if you remember. Spectral, a.k.a. Leonard Lank, takes on the plight of the ghostly remnants of the Ishbjorn to wage a vengeful war on the invaders of the land who are uh, the Valrossians, specifically the Valrossian king, the King Gjorn, and his people. Uh, the interns and Sleek are able to convince Spectral to give them a little time, only one night to talk to the V-King and avoid a war. The interns sneak into the capital of New Valross during a massive festival and are able to meet with the ruler of the Valrossians, V-King Nive Gjorn, a shrimpy boy in position of power, misguided by his evil uncle, V-Head Ward Gjorn. Uh, with the help of the local deity, Goddess Andi and the interns are able to end a century of war and restore peace to the land. V-King Nive offers a ship's passage and it looks like the interns, Sleek and Spectral, finally find themselves heading back to Boulderay, this time with a mission to infiltrate Paralite's lair within the Elder Pines and rescue an imprisoned Brink and Sordo. And that brings us up to current times. There you go. Bum, bum, bum. That's the story. I was uh, taking notes that whole time because it, this is a good recap for us to have too after doing the show already for, you know, was it six months now? Something like six months, yeah. I was trying to type down all the notes. That went, that went by fast and there's so much detail. <laughs> and, yeah. and this is and that was just like the the five ten minute recap yeah of uh of all the we've the done story. a lot yeah yeah i can send all that to you guys so that you have those as notes please do nah no thanks i'll just re-listen <laughs> the, the two the two different people yes please absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> well, i've been re-listening so that helps wait i'd have to go back and listen but one of the things that i like seeing whenever i listen to the show is who we've cast as the different parts because gus performs the parts when we're recording but then they'll go in and post and then they'll record someone that works at rooster teeth or a friend of the company and then put them in mm -hmm. who's the fourth intern because or the infinite because we've already cast them they were in the the church of dia i'm assuming holy dia in the library you mean yeah 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 so it's jessica as a leave me as sleek christian as spectral and jam is uh grizzly jam peralt oh nice yeah. <gasps> oh that's fun too i don't know why i was expecting the way that that, that character is described i was like imagine like a big brawler you know but like it's a little jam <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and now we try to in the episodes we try to uh credit who the voices are uh typically when we do like our our mid-roll read We'll, we'll say who who is what. And we also try to incorporate people who interact with us on social media uh, at Stinky Dragon Pod or using hashtag Stinky Dragon Pod. Uh, we'll incorporate them as NPCs into the show. My favorite uh, audience member NPC was when you made one of them um, a hair pervert in prison. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hair enthusiast. Hair enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. He just misunderstood. Yeah. Hairless Hutch. Hairless, Hairless Hutch. Hutch. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> It's often the perverts that are in prison that are misunderstood. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, don't yuck his yum. <laughs> Nothing wrong with hairless hutch. So uh, since we've uh, gone through the recap, it's time for everyone to level up. Uh, everyone currently is level four, so everyone gets to become level five now. Woo-woo. Wow. And everyone gets a horse. <laughs> Is that when that's when things really get a lot better, right? Level five. Yeah. As you guys are, are doing your level up, I'll kind of read through and give an overview of what everyone's getting. That way the audio listeners know. Uh, and maybe you'll also find out if you don't know necessarily. Uh, but basically everyone's proficiency goes from plus two to plus three. Wow. Everyone gets more health. So you roll your hit die and you add it to your pool of added hit die in D&D Beyond. Don't add your constitution modifier. The website takes care of all that. So just add what you rolled. Kyborg now gains the ability to attack twice in one turn. Yes! Oh, no. Plus, I have uh, that other thing. I think it's Second Wind or something where I can attack for an additional turn. So I could theoretically just kill a boss first round. Here we go. Well, it depends on your definition of boss. Uh, I don't know. We always have many bosses, right? Actually, we don't fight much in the show. I think, <laughs> I think what you mean is you're going to become a boss. Yes. So FYI, second wind is when you regen health. 
You're thinking of action surge is what allows you to attack again on your turn. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I meant. I mean, everybody's a boss of someone else. You killed a hamster, so. <laughs> That's true. But he became a boss. Mud gains access to level three spells. Bart, your bardic inspiration is now a D8 instead of a D6. Nice. Pretty cool. You also gain level three spells and you have a font of inspiration. So you get back your bardic inspiration on a short rest. Ooh, okay. And that, that all happens automatically on a D&D Beyond, right? Yeah, yeah. It's magic. <laughs> Only thing you got to choose are your spells. And also, you got to roll for the HP, right? Yes. And then finally, Gum Gum, you also gain the ability to attack twice in one turn, and you gain fast movement, so you get plus 10 feet to your speed when you aren't wearing heavy armor. So Gum Gum becomes a quick little boy. Oh. Uh, I rolled a 7. Nice. It's a good roll. 40. HP, rolled HP, I add, yep. add seven to that rolled HP box. Okay. Yeah, I gotta go through all these third level spells I've never seen before. Wow. wow. Outside of extra attack, is there anything else that I need to do? Ten. Uh, no, that's it for you. Oh, yeah, you rolled a ten, Chris? You really? really? Ten? Right off the bat, huh? Cool. <laughs> do you not see that? Did I not roll it for everyone? Oh, I didn't see it. No, I don't see it. Well, I'll screenshot it. <laughs> well, he's a barbarian, so he has a D12, I believe. So that's, ah, not, uh, that's okay. not max health. I'll let this slide then. There's a spell, there's a third level enchantment spell called Catnap. Ooh. <laughs> what does that do? You make a calming gesture and up to three willing creatures of your choice that you could see within range fall unconscious for the spell's duration. It's basically like forcing people to take a little nap. When Gum Gum gets a little worked up and fussy. <laughs> <you> just... <laughs> Honestly, using that spell on my fellow adventurers might come in handy <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> I also, I didn't throw it in there, but we both mud and bart you can replace a spell with a new one as well if you want to from any of the first or second levels yeah so if there's something like you haven't or for bards at least you can choose one of the bard spells you know and replace it with another spell from the spell list so if there's something you haven't been using and you want like to increase a you know your list of spells you can use you can just swap those out i get to swap my spells out whenever i do a long that's right yeah i was gonna say didn't that a, a option already during sleepy time for, for druid it depends on yeah your class yeah. i think so catnap's pretty cool. I'm reading it. It's like, it basically gives you a short rest after 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Hmm. Wait, what is this? The, the catnap? Catnap, yeah. So it's like, it lasts for 10 minutes, and basically the three people that fall under catnap get a short rest. So it's basically that, to help your fellow teammates. Right. Because it has to be three willing creatures. Gotcha. Outside of the health increase and the extra thing, is there anything else that I need to do? or For the second time, no, Blaine. I'm going to do something crazy. <laughs> Blaze, Blaze just hoping you get something else. I'm sorry, John. Uh, I was just going to say that I'm going to finally put some improvements to my intelligence. Up until now, Mud has been negative one on intelligence rolls. I've been waiting for that my entire life. Boom. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny joke, but also every time Gus has me roll Arcana, because I'm trying to be a good magic user, I'm negative one on Arcana. Um, as well as like anytime it's investigation rolls, I'm negative one on investigation. And it is just terrible every single time. How are you getting more intelligence? I have an ability score improvement. Oh. Or maybe I don't. Oh, never mind. At fifth I don't. level? No. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking at that from level four. Uh, okay, I could, I could. It was. It's still there for me to change. It's confusing in this thing. So forget that. I'm still. I'm still bad yeah. at magic. I have Arcane Shot, which gives me Bursting Arrow and Seeking Arrow. I don't use Seeking Arrow, and the last time I did, Gus did not acknowledge it. Can I swap out one of my Arcane Arrows, like what it does? I will defend Gus and say he did. You just missed. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I, I was about to say, don't throw me under the bus there. I totally acknowledge it, and we played through it. Oh. Is there any? Is there any other shots that are arrows that I can use though? Other arcane? Yeah, at level seven. <laughs> if you watch the series Hawkeye again, you can get more trick arrows. Is it one of those things where I I, I made that bed now I have to sleep in it until level seven? Yeah, I mean it's up to Gus, but but if you want to go by the rules. You have that locked in until you get like more at level seven. That's fine. That's fine. I, then I will. I will do that. Then next time I will know the gravity of the the uh, thing that I'm doing. I I don't know if I'm gonna pick this one. I just need to point it out. There's a spell called Stinking Cloud. Uh oh. And I feel like it would be very appropriate for a show called Tales from the Stinky Dragon. But you basically make a twenty foot radius cloud of yellow nauseating gas. That if they fail a constitution saving throw, they spend their turn retching and reeling Whoa. <laughs> inside the cloud of poison. Oh, my God. That's funny. Uh, so I'll just throw this in there while you guys are looking at spells. There's this uh, wombo combo D&D &D thing I found on Instagram the other day that I sent to Blaine. 
where basically there's a spell called Gash's Form that bards can learn, where basically you could turn Blaine into a cloud of gas, put him in a bottle, and if you guys sneak into somewhere, you just throw that bottle like a smoke screen, and suddenly, boom, there's a fighter in front <laughs> of him. That's really funny. <laughs> it's a kyborg grenade. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when do I get that spell? <laughs> it's a level three spell. Is it? What's it called? Gaseous form. Gaseous form. Yeah, that kyborg. He's a real smoke show, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, should I should I infringe upon kyborg's uh, uh, realm by adding a third level spell called flame arrow to my slot? Hell no. We could always <laughs> use more archers. We'll be unstoppable. Oh wait, actually no. You want this? I touch a quiver containing arrows or bolts, and then when your arrows have. Uh, they do 1d6 fire damage. So, no. Now I'm not going to do it because you were nasty. <laughs> Teamwork. Just because you thought for a second I was going to have it, you said no. So now Whoa. I'm going to instead do uh, speak with plants so I can finally talk with plants and they can talk back I to me. I was very yes, and, yes, Andy, supportive of you getting fire arrows. <laughs> yes, Andy. So real fast because I know Barbara's <laughs> probably still looking for it. it uh, Gash's form is not available for bards. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's for sorcerers, warlocks, wizards, circle of the land, circle of spores, and alchemists. There's a bard subclass that can take spells from other subclasses. That's what our other classes. That's gotcha. what I was looking at. Well, did I not mention that I'm a bard sorcerer? Oh. <laughs> mm. It's weird. I was just I have so small detail that I left out. You could have leveled up your level five to be a sorcerer. Multi-class. Yeah. But you could actually do that? You can do that. Four levels of bard, one level of sorcerer. Mm, maybe I'll consider that later. <laughs> For this one spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For this one spell, <laughs> yeah. But it, I think it would be a level three sorcerer spell. Yeah. So you wouldn't gain access. You'd have access to level three bard spells, but level one sorcerer yep. spells. Gotcha. There was another like homebrew D&D thing that I saw on Reddit where some guy was able to like make cows appear. So then he just started dropping cow bombs because they were like, <laughs> it was something about the Z axis to where the rules allowed it. So he was just dropping cows on enemies. Sounds like the movie Twister. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think I might be able to do that. Hold on. But then they die, though, probably. And I don't know yeah. if that's in line with your character. Let the cows hit the, hit floor. the floor. Let the cows <laughs> hit the floor. It's right. It, it's 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 a it's a druid thing. It's conjure animals. Mm, mm-hmm. I can make a face spirit appear mm-hmm. in the form of beasts, and they appear in an unoccupied space that I can see within range. Just look at the sun. And <laughs> that's funny. There's also another. Uh, conjuring spell that I was looking at that summon Fey, another Fey one, and you summon a Fey spirit, but you have to pick the mood. The moods are either fuming, mirthful, or tricksy. Mm, so I have to pick the mood of my Fey if I summon them. Do you have to have a ring on? I think you're better off summoning cows. I like the cow drop uh, spell. I wonder why they chose cows. Like cow, I guess these are sample creatures. What's the challenge rating of a cow? Cow's got to be a low challenge range, so that's why you could do because you could the you can split to a lot more animals if you go low challenge range. Like if I found an animal that's yeah. one quarter or lower, I can summon eight of them. That's and a cow is the challenge rating one quarter. So you could drop eight cows. Yeah. Look at all these. <laughs> it's a stampede. I'm just gonna add that to my thing. It's like two quarts of cow, I guess. Yeah. Two. Jeez, it's a lot of milk. Oh, I don't know what to pick. My goodness. Oh, there's a necromancy spell in here for druids at third level. It's feign death. I touch somebody and I put them in a cataleptic state that is indistinguishable from death. Wow. I saw that one too, feign death. Basically, it's like, I don't know if it comes in handy if like one of our party members is like getting their ass beat and it's like, well, now they're dead. Don't attack that person. And they could just kind of. They're in the fetal position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just when Gum Gum's being too, too ruckusy. Just g- give him a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> alternatively other spells you know like you're getting you know beat up and you know instead of faking death you say call an ambulance but not for me and you summon a bunch of cows to rain down on everybody. yeah yeah you got a lot of options yeah uh you don't have to choose spells right now like immediately in this recording you guys can like look at them later and, and choose everything if we want to keep moving on i chose my spell there's some boss ass third level spells what'd you pick you say we got to mobilize. We got to what? Mobilize. Yeah, what was it, Barbara? <laughs> Could I speak now? <laughs> uh, I chose tongues, which is basically um, anyone you touch for the duration of the spell can understand any lang- any spoken language. Hmm. Is that when you have to put on makeup like kiss? Uh, <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, the spell grants the creature you touch the ability to understand any spoken language it hears. So for the record, before it comes up, plants do not have a spoken language. So you're saying I should choose speak with plants instead. <laughs> that, yeah. It's what you can uh, do. Moreover, when the target speaks any creature that knows at least one language, it can hear the target understands what it says. Yeah. If if you if you do speak with plants, what language are they speaking? Huh? They don't. The root of all languages. Oh, speak with if you do speak with speak plants. Speak with plants does. That's a different spell though. What do their accents sound like? I'll cast speak with plants and you cast tongues. Guys, let's not get in the weeds here. Okay. Uh, hey. Hey. Stop it. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. That that shield that was like a hook shot thing, and then uh, the uh, sword that I picked up from that one dude. How does that work? You got to tell me what the dude's name was before I answer that question. Uh, Ward Viking. Nope. <laughs> Ward Viking. <laughs> that not it? It's Odom. It's like a hover shield or something. Like, it, like it was like warped. it had like a gravity pull basically. So it wasn't it wasn't like a hook shot came out, but it was like it was you were still being pulled by like some kind of magical force. An unseen force. Yeah. So I th- I don't know if that made the episode or not, but wasn't something you were saying like you had to become like attuned, you know, like operate your operating system. Yeah. Attuned or some nerd stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing with magical items that like if they're really powerful and they're meant to be for certain classes or certain races in D&D, then you have to attune yourself and spend time with that object to become uh, able to use it basically. Or you have to like you have to be one of those types of people that can actually use it. I was going to say, is that like a built-in system so that like you can't just pick up weapons from fallen enemies constantly and use them all the time? Like there's like a... Yeah, and some magic items uh, in general, just you have to attune to them. Uh, It's just like... But it's probably like you said, just so that you're not constantly picking up items and using them. But yeah, uh, Chris, you do have to uh, attune to those. We, uh, I think we had talked about that before. Yeah, we got some, we got some plans for them. Yeah, the shield uh, and the sword. Uh, there's also a limit to the number of magic items you can attune to. So that way you don't just have like 30,000 magic items you've picked up by yeah. looting every enemy along the way. Limit up to three. Chris. <laughs> yeah, Chris. <laughs> we need to look through Chris's inventory because he's carrying. Well, I also noticed, noticed so in Chris's much. inventory that like we talked about he had a lot of weight, but a lot of things he has on there don't have weights listed. Ah, there's like five chairs that are listed zero <laughs> pounds. Like what? Your a bottle of rum, chisel, flagon of ale, uh, your leather sack. Nothing that seems super heavy. Yep, that's true. Lisasaurus teeth. Yeah. Quicksand. <laughs> I'm just looking at the stuff that doesn't have weights. I don't know what some of this stuff is. <laughs> Do uh, any of our ability scores change on this level up? No. Okay. Uh, does everyone pick all their spells? Is everyone get ready to move on? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because before we started recording, you all asked so nicely, uh, you're going to level up again. What? You're going to go to level six. Really? What's the catch? What's happening here? No catch. Just it's been a little while since you guys leveled up. So you all are getting two levels right now. I really thought you were going to mess with us. Just sign on the dotted line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Please sign your life away. Something's happening. There are a lot of ways out there for you to make an impact when it comes to combating climate change. Why don't we start with an easy and a delicious one? You may be perfect, but your groceries don't have to be. Imperfect Foods is a grocery delivery service that reduces waste by embracing food's natural imperfections. Check out imperfectfoods.com to see if they deliver in your area. When you sign up, you can personalize your weekly order with fresh seasonal produce, pantry staples, and snacks. Plus, Imperfect Foods customers save six to eight pounds of food with every order, and Imperfect delivers weekly by neighborhood, which produces 25 to 75% fewer emissions than individual trips to the grocery store. It's really convenient. I look forward to the day that they're going to show up at my house. Uh, It's like a red-letter day around here. And plus, I can buy some things that I can't find in stores otherwise. There's some great products I found that I get delivered via Imperfect Foods that there's it's just not available in stores to me uh, where I live here in Austin. Uh, so it's a great way to not only get things that you already want, but to find new products that you don't even know that you really like. So right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfoods.com, use promo code DRAGON. Again, 20% off your first four orders. That's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com when you use promo code DRAGON. Join the movement at imperfectfoods.com, use code DRAGON. With level six, you all get even more health. You roll your hit die again, just like you did, uh, and add it into your uh, your pool there in D&D Beyond. Gum Gum, you now get four rages. Four. Uh, you get bolstering magic, 
which is a, a feature from Path of Wild Magic. It can be used a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus per long rest. So you can touch a willing creature, and for 10 minutes, that creature rolls a D3 when making an attack roll or ability check and adds that number. So basically, it's like your own kind of buff, your own bardic inspiration. Mm-hmm. Or you can roll a D3, and the creature or you regains one expended spell slot, oh. the level of which equals the number rolled or lower. Uh, and you do that once per long rest. On, on, with that specific thing, I don't know what a D3 would be. I was just going to say that. I'm like, there's no D3. <laughs> it, that's what's listed in the manual is a D3. <laughs> yeah, you're, a D3 is you roll a D6 and divide by two. Ah, so it's one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Oh, that was the pyramid one. It's D4. No, that's a D4. Yeah, no, I knew that. <laughs> Bart, you get an extra third level spell slot. Woo! Uh, you can swap out spells, but I mean, you just did that. <laughs> so yeah. you also get counter charm. As an action, you can start a performance that lasts until the end of your next turn. During that time, you and Enli... Any friendly creatures within 30 feet of you have advantage on saving throws against being frightened or charmed. Mm. Creature must be able to hear you to gain this benefit. The performance ends early if you're incapacitated, silenced, or if you stop it. Gotcha. And that's automatically added to my character sheet? I believe so. Yeah, you'll see it as like one of your abilities. You said counter charm, and I immediately thought of like Bart walking up to a bar and just be like, how are you doing? Putting his elbow down. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and then the final thing Bart gets is Mantle of Majesty. You gain the ability to cloak yourself in fey magic that makes others want to serve you. Uh, as a bonus action, you can cast command without expending a spell slot, and you take on an appearance of, an, of unearthly beauty for one minute or until your concentration ends. So you're saying nothing changes about my character. Hey! <laughs> Wink. Uh, during this time, you can cast command as a bonus action on each of your turns without expending a spell slot. Any creature charmed by you automatically fails its saving throw against the command you cast with this feature. And you can use it once per long rest. So it's just like you become a charming, commanding person. Very loquacious. And, and I don't use any spell slots for that yep. either. So I could just do that whenever I want? As a bonus action, once per long rest. Bonus action. Oh, gotcha. Command's a good spell. Yeah. Bart used it, right? Uh, in one of the recent episodes. Suggestion. Oh, was that suggestion? Oh. Suggestion, yeah. I have suggestion. And now it's funny. I just spent all that time picking one of the third level spells and now I have to go through again and be like, now what do I want? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you don't have to take it. You can just stick with one. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to take it. Did you keep your receipt? <laughs> <laughs> now, if I, took, if I picked tongues last time, should I pick speak with plants? Hey. <laughs> All the languages. Speaking of speaking with plants, uh, mud gains an extra third level spell slot. Uh, again, you can swap out your spells and... You also get Primal Strike. So starting at 6th level, your attacks in beast form count as magical for the purposes of overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. That is very important, and I will have to remember that in future encounters. Uh, You all have in the past encountered enemies that have resistance to non-magical attacks. I don't think you all have realized it in the moment at those times. But it, it has happened in the past. Sometimes when you all are like, man, this guy can take a ton of damage. Why aren't they dying? Like secretly they're immune to non-magical attacks. Mm. Oh. My my bites are now magical. I shouldn't say immune. They're resistant to non-magical attacks. Yeah, your 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 claws and your bites are magic. And finally, we've got Kyborg who gets an ability score improvement. Or a feat. Or a feat? Fate? Fit? Fit? No, Feet's right. Feet. A feat. I get a I get a fiat. New car. Are you going to take a feat? <laughs> What's behind door number two? Uh, 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 I'm looking at it and what I could get. I think I could become lucky if I take that as an option. Mm. Is that not the case? Some feats have like prerequisites. I'll look it up for you. Like I, I think you might have to be a halfling, but I could be wrong. If I have the opportunity to be lucky. No, I think anyone can be. You can take it. Yeah, halflings get it by default, but you could be lucky. I right. could be lucky. So wait for one of our party members, I think Bart... You're lucky, right? Yes, I am lucky. Yep. Yes. What does that entail exactly? And how if you roll you? a one on anything, ability check, uh, anything like that, uh, you could re-roll. Ah, you know what, though? I, I love when I roll ones. It's really funny. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> but isn't the lucky feat a little different than the halfling lucky? Yes, I was about to, to point that out. So the lucky oh. feat is you can re-roll a d20 or force a re-roll of an attack against you uh, up to three times per long rest. Ooh, that's pretty good. That is pretty cool. Something I want to I want to point out real quick that I don't know if you all noticed. Blaine just turned to Barbara and went, Bart, you're you're lucky, right? And Barbara replied in Bart's voice. <laughs> 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 I didn't even realize. I sure am. <laughs> yeah, baby. 
The trick is, is that Bart's voice is very similar to mine when I'm stuffed up. <laughs> uh, and we're not doing any change to ability score on this level either, right? Correct. Just Kyborg. All right. Why is it just Kyborg? Uh, I think as like a, a fighter, it just happens more off, more frequently because fighters don't get spells or mm. any of that fun stuff. Man, my HP is so high now. <laughs> There's a thing called vampiric exaltation where I could turn the bottom half of my body into just mist <laughs> and float around. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. I don't see that one. Uh, I'm looking at a list of feats on D&D 5th uh, edition wiki, so it might not be there. Uh, you can, yeah, in D&D Beyond, you can under, I think, game rules, you should feats to the right. You can click on that and look at like, a list of all of them. Yeah, let's not go crazy with uh, with all the extra books. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to have to Google it and search for it every time. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking up stuff right now and uh, I might come back to this because there's a lot of good stuff that I want to come through. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Barbara, you mentioned that your HP is really high and Blaine was asking like what the catch is with, you know, leveling up to level six. Uh, There's no catch, but you do are going to have like higher stakes in fights now. Like you'll have creatures that hit harder or like charm or like do status effects that like. No. Yeah. Uh (laughs) No. No. Uh, Keep them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that and this is this is not like a plug or anything but uh the other day we were watching the first episode of the legend of vox machina and in the first episode you know the the party encounters a dragon and i thought that show did a really good job of showing you how a monster of a much higher challenge rating than your party will just tear you apart <laughs> without breaking a sweat so it's like to ben's point like as you are progressing you will start to meet greater and greater challenges like i think the dragon they encounter in that show would have been like a challenge rating 23 or 24 mm-hmm. uh where right now you guys since you're all level six you all are challenge rating six you know just to like mm-hmm. put it to like scale it uh like what it would be like like you you all trying to fight a dragon would have gone down like that show or it would have done a breath attack looked at you and then you all would be dead gotcha Gotcha. I have a question that maybe you don't want to answer. So feel free to say you can pull the fifth on this. But I feel like our group, compared to our last campaign, hasn't been dying as much. <laughs> don't give them ideas. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is that is, uh, but we don't even have a conventional healer on this team. Is there a reason why combat has been going less fatally for us? Is it? One, either my head, you guys either take an easy on us, or two, a lot of us are beefy, and so it's harder to take us down, or we're just, we're more, we have more sustain. Um, Like, for instance, when mud turns into an animal, I get, like, all that bonus HP that's temporary until you knock the animal out of me. And then Gum Gum has rage, and so he has high HP and takes, like, half damage on a ton of attacks. So what's the Mm -hmm. answer? I think Chris was raising his hand. Do you want to answer, Chris? Well... I think it's a lot of it is this campaign is a lot more story driven and less combat focused. But even in the combat we do, I would just say we have less combat. But he, but he's saying even in the combat we do. Yeah, uh, Ben, <laughs> going around the the table here, Ben. Uh, I I mean to answer the question at least like from my end, like I've straight up told Gus not to pull punches. Uh, I think you guys have had a few like lucky rolls with like the heavier fights we've thrown at you, but. My philosophy on it is, is like, yeah, we're story driven. We want to keep your stories focused. And there's like ways around, like if a character dies, how to like pull them back into the story. You know, it might be a thing where then Mike is writing an arc that's all about saving Gum Gum's soul from the depths of hell or whatever. But like, if you die, you die, in my opinion. And we'll find a way around that to like work it into the story and make it a cool story. I think the characters you're playing, there's more beefy characters who are, you know, armor heavy mud and gum gum typically take the role of tank and off tank and kyborg could also off tank as well uh bart's really the most squishy out of all of you and he does a good job of like staying in the back and avoiding taking direct damage if anything i sometimes pull your punches uh like if i'm if i'm gonna like lower the dm screen for a little bit when you all were fighting uh v-head ward he should have died like a round or two earlier but I wanted to move him out to draw you all back out into the main hall. I think you mean Odom. Was it Odom? I thought it was Ward. It was Odom. Maybe it was Odom. Uh, no, no, you're right. Yeah, it, it was It was Odom. Uh, I propped him up for like another round or two to, to, to move you all to a different room or to like try to progress the fight uh, or progress the story. All right. What I'm hearing is that you want to die more. So I will, I will keep that no. in consideration. <laughs> As John was saying that stuff, I'm like, why are you bringing this up? Why yeah. are you bringing this up? Uh, teacher, <laughs> you didn't give us any homework. <laughs> I mean, 
I I think I think I like I understood why we're doing well from a, like a damage and HP standpoint. I mean, uh, I don't think I understood at the beginning of this that the druid class that I picked is the druid class that is actually meant to tank. I've made jokes about me tanking stuff, but like reading up more about like Circle of the Moon druids and that kind of thing, I didn't realize I was picking someone who is supposed to get to the front line mm-hmm. because I've always thought of like druids as very utility. And so they, they, they can, they can be healy and they can be tanky and they can be just, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, fit the, the, the slot kind of thing. But it wasn't until like, I realized like the whole like temp HP you get. And as I started, you know, seeing bigger animals and be able to add things like the brown bear and stuff like that, which are just get in there. I'm not going to do a lot of damage, but I will be right next to the thing and I'll probably be taking more damage. I don't think I realized I was doing that. One other thing I'll say, and this is just from my own perspective as, as a DM in the past and a writer right now, but like, I, I think there's a misconception that the dungeon master is like your enemy in D and like, I don't think of it that way. Like I, I wrong, wrong. <laughs> our DM is Gus. And we, so we know Gus would take delight in killing one of our characters. So oh, I, I will say when we're, you know, rolling initiative in combat, I, the, I feel like the, your enemies are my guys, you know, I'm trying to move them around and, and, you know, have their ability, try to use their abilities as much as I can, you know, to try to take you guys out. I take it back everything I just said. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. <laughs> That's why sometimes I'll be like, oh, I rolled bad. <laughs> it's less that the players don't think that, you know, they're not like, like the DMs are enemy with the fight against them. But I think specifically Barbara, John, Chris, and Blaine know it's Gus and Gus is their enemy. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just, I'm just Blaine's enemy. That's all. Yeah, it's true. Also, I found that uh, I, I didn't realize this. There are guns in D&D, and I could become a gunner and just, like, full-blown Mr. Marksman. You could be the Scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be in one of the other books or one of the supplemental books. It says it's available on here, but I also detest uh, firearms, and I like that we live in a little world where we just shoot arrows at each other and spells. Wazoo! Woo. Pew! I work the Cupid. <laughs> yeah, another, another very popular dm from like the the guy who created the vox machina campaign matt mercer uh had like has a homebrew class i believe that is all about like gunslinging uh and it's like gained popularity in spaces and that's probably what you're seeing if i were to guess yeah i i think in a future thing i would want to become a cowboy maybe like a gunslinger type because again kyborg was made because of my resentment towards high fantasy i am a sci-fi guy so that's why he has a robot arm. So I'm trying to do everything I can to get around this high fantasy BS. You're pretty fly for a sci-fi guy. Thanks. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so just for clarity, the gunner is from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. It's not like in the core book. You're talking about the artificer? Yeah, it's it, it has a, a like a notice in D&D Beyond that says this is unofficial material. <laughs> uh, and it says aren't officially part of the D&D game and aren't permitted in D&D Adventures League events. To use this content, toggle the critical role content in the character builder. Yep, just like you said. I feel like it's more important that I get a feat. And like some of these feats have uh, an increase in abilities as well. It's not by two, it's just by one. But like Piercer, for instance, sounds pretty cool. I don't know if I have the option to do that. Basically, like if I get a critical hit, I get a critical hit. Like it, like I get to roll like several dice. Again, that's from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Make sure you're looking in the player's handbook. I don't know how many times I have to say that. I have a I have a drop-down menu. Apparently, it's not working. Well, you, apparently, you need to learn how to use it. <laughs> okay, well, um, while Blaine continues to look through all of the wrong list of feats, yeah. uh, I think this might be a, a good time to get to some Q&A. Right off the bat, we kind of already touched on one. Uh, at my, Mad Irish King says, what happens if a PC dies? Uh, and I think we, you know, you, uh, Ben kind of talked about that when we were talking about like pulling punches or having to figure out, um, like workarounds, uh, in, in the case that something like that happens. Basically, yeah, for the first few arcs, like it's hard to die, especially if you're trying to like pull a podcast together, right? Cause you want to keep all that story content, but like, you know, want to let you guys get your feet wet with your characters. But like, like I said, the gloves are off. <laughs> it's up to just like Gus and however you guys do things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we killed a character in the last campaign. Yeah. Rest in peace. That's Judge Bread. <laughs> well, I do remember in the second arc that Bart, I believe, rolled uh, death saving rolls. Oh. He rolled what? Death saving. Oh, death saving. Yeah, so you, you got inca- incapacitated, which means that you start I rolling did. death saving rolls. I think at one point I did too. Kyborg did. 
I feel like you did. You have a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Kyborg has. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You hit three of those, you die. So we've gotten close. The whole the audience, the fan base, they would have rebelled. They would have been uh, inconsolable if they lost Kyborg. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. All the Cryborgs. <laughs> uh, all right, we got a question from at lyx fifty nine. How far along would you say the group is uh, along in the campaign? Are there any other plans for other campaigns after this one? Um, Micah, I think you're probably best suited to answer that one. I will say, honestly, from the first arc, there was an episode where I was editing it and uh, I had an epiphany for where the whole story should go. Ooh. As far as like uh, where, like how, what the world is, what's happening in the world and what could happen. And I just started writing down furiously everything I was thinking of. And so, yeah, we, uh, Ben and I had a conversation not too long ago where we started mapping out like how many arcs would this take? And I we're probably close, getting close to halfway through the whole campaign. If if it goes like to you know the timing that we're suspecting, but things could change. But yeah, we have we have a lot in store. Yeah, I think after this next arc, you guys will be about halfway. It just kind of depends on how long you take and like yeah, you know all sorts of stuff for like general pacing. There's actually like in the Dungeon Master's Guidebook, there's like like your levels can kind of dictate where you're at in the story. So like levels one through four, you're like local heroes. Levels 5 through 10, you're like heroes of the realm. Levels 11 through 16, you become masters of the realm. And 17 to 20, you're basically like demigods. Uh, and so we've kind of like chosen a level we kind of want to end at and then mapped out like how many arcs it would take to get there and like what story beats we want to hit. And like, I think we've mapped out a pretty good story here. And I'm real interested to see how you guys react. And, you know, if we have a whole arc where someone dies and we have to save them from, uh, you know, help. But, you know, we'll see what happens once a character dies independent of like what happens in our campaign all this stuff like i love kyborg he's my favorite fictional character that i've made so like if i ever join someone else's home game or whatever and it's not stinky dragon i'm, I'm bringing kyborg with me <laughs> <laughs> it's funny i feel like when people i don't know you know what your background really was with D before we started doing all this but i feel like when people first start playing D, they love their first character too and want to use them as much as possible. Then eventually they reach a point where they're like, I'm sick of playing this class. I want to play anything new or anything weird or anything different other than what I've played for the bulk of the time. Like years ago, back in third edition, I had uh, a rogue arcane archer mm -hmm. that I played for years. So I'm kind of familiar with the arcane archer stuff you're looking through and picking and looking at it again, like, yeah, I never want to touch that again. Cause I played that for like 10 years. Like I am done with that. <laughs> <laughs> So I had another question here from at Moxley Sensei 117 asking if there will be another campaign, who would you want to DM next? Uh, let the cast Ooh. answer that one. Like from this group or just anyone in particular, like anyone in general? Uh, it's up to you. We're all going to vote for ourselves. It's going to be like a <laughs> class class president. I, I don't think I'd want to DM. No, neither would I. I. I just think like it's so I am so constantly blown away by like Gus, Ben and Micah keeping all this stuff like tracked and like knowing what's happening and what to because it's essentially just constant improv based off what we do uh, or don't do and so that just seems like it would require a lot of brain power which uh we record this in the morning and i don't have that in the morning. <laughs> uh but i could see hmm i feel like ben could be a good dm mm. you know seems like he has experience but he would have to do it as sleek oh god <laughs> no. actually so kind of on that note i i was once again, I mentioned I, I wasn't going to be able to be a part of this recording originally because I was out. Um, I was looking at like how to do the recap and I was like, I could just Gus just read it or I could pull Blaine into a room and we could be like sleek and kyborg and sleek is trying to like chronicle the experiences <laughs> of everybody. But it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So kyborg, I, you guys really in this city did this thing that was amazing. You, you, man, I'm so proud to call you my best friend and just let Blaine just like rag on me for, for the whole recap. Like Sleek's writing a um a, a ballad memoirs, <laughs> a song about the feats. Yeah, <laughs> and I keep wanting to interject rap into it or something. <laughs> Barbara said something there about how like everything's constant improv, and Micah sent me was it a TikTok you sent me the other week? Yeah, where it's like a dungeon master trying to explain D and D to someone, and it's like so. Let me get this straight: you're telling a story, and the main characters are other people who can improv and derail your story at any time. And you're, you know, the whole time you're trying to keep the story moving forward while people are doing everything they can to fight you and take it off the rails. It's like, yes. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> With Chris and I doing uh, uh, Good Morning from Hell, which is just a purely improvisational show, like 
I think that I would love to do DMing because I think that that's like a lot of character work. And that's something that, you know, I think I, I get a lot of joy out of John Easter on a show called on the spot. And, uh, every week for whatever reason, I think Chris and I, we just had a season where we would just show up as different people. We never played Chris and Blaine. We're always just like different people. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun. I feel like I could DM, but not for this group. <laughs> I feel like I, I would I would have to have a group of people who follow the rules <laughs> and <laughs> just do everything that I expect them to do. I will say it is very helpful having Ben and Micah, even though, you know, you all are talking to me when we're recording. There's just like constant chat and, you know, exchange of information going back and forth uh, behind the scenes that you all never see. Uh, so constantly like double checking facts or rules and like, you know, just making sure everything's going a- appropriately. So it's like, even though you, it look, it seems like I'm the one doing all the work. That's like, don't look behind the curtain, like Wizard of Oz style. There you go. <laughs> there it is. There's really a lot going on behind uh, scenes that you don't see. Mm. Yeah. So when I have an answer for this question, but I want to get the, the, you know, the players through answering it first. Um, but on that note, like every DM is very different. Like if you listen to other shows, like the adventure zone is one I've drawn a lot of inspiration when I like pitch this show, their DM is like, you know, has worked in like, you know, game news for a long time and knows like how games are built. And so like, he likes to play at a very different pace and like kind of pull those rules in while still telling a story. I think Gus does a really good job of mixing, like playing at a table with stats and getting into the crunchy numbers of everything while also like getting through the story and like trying to let you guys do your improv and do your thing. And I think each of you would have very different DMing styles, which I think is a lot of fun about this game. What's uh, what's Jonathan Van Ness up to? Can we get him? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll That'd pull some good. producer strings, see what I can do. I'd be down with that. <laughs> but Chris, John, did you guys have answers? I mean, I, I think it would be really fun to DM. I think Blaine would enjoy it a lot too. Uh, I think that just thinking from our work on Good Morning from Hell and just telling stories um, and improv and like that was just fun. My my <laughs> my only concern is if I DM, then I would get so immersed in trying to write or like writing the story that I would take up. I could consume myself in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real easy thing to do. Feels, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like that would be the most disappointing part, too, is like if you invested a lot into an NPC and then the characters just completely want to like get away from them or they don't go like yeah. i feel like there's a lot of prep work that goes into D and sometimes it's just like the party gravitates towards the thing that you don't want them to do while you have like this incredible circus over here built they'll just like oh we want to go back in, in those woods over there it's like no 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 like going in the glocken tower and going through <laughs> all of the encounters that were in there yeah you got all that stuff playing <laughs> idiots i mean that's that's art in itself, though, right? I mean, like, if you're an artist, you you learn, you have to learn eventually that, like, you have to have open hands with your own art and not be completely entrenched in it so that, like, it can have its own life in a sense. Mm. Yeah, and to be fair, what I meant by that is just where I would want to, like, yeah, build out stuff where there's so many, you know, options and things where it would just take up a lot of my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but to me, that like, the fun of that kind of stuff is, like, what I've enjoyed about being just a character is telling a story but only having to focus on just my character, Yeah, if that makes sense. Because I do think in terms of story and character, whenever I, like, approach this game but i'm only doing it through one lens so it's fun to do that i think it'd be really fun to kind of like approach storytelling through like all the npcs and then like the over trying to balance it's fun but i think it could it's just a lot of work so good on y'all yeah you know who i think would be a really fun dungeon master a friend of ours who's like an excellent improv artist kirk johnson Mm. oh wow i feel like he'd be really yeah that'd be fun yeah him or like nick rutherford yeah those Can they dual DM? So funny. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, they're just so they're so funny and so quick with just all their improv work, and I think that they would be just like a joy to have in a D and D campaign in any sense. Yeah, we just got to get Nick to take a break from Rick and Morty writing to come do our eh. silly D and D campaign. <laughs> I'm so jealous. He not only writes, he was a character in the show. In Rick and Morty, yeah. Was he really? Like, yeah. yeah, like there is a character called Nick, and it looks like him, and Whoa. he's like one of the main characters of one of the shows, uh, one of the episodes in the most recent season. So jealous. I'm looking it up. Yeah, like I watched that episode. I was like, that's him. <laughs> like, that, that's <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Oh my God, that is him. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, weird. It's a good episode too. I stopped watching, but I, I might get back on it. Uh, does anyone else have any thoughts about uh, people they'd like to see uh, DM? Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing anything, right? No, no. Mm. Picard's got canceled. I, I don't think it did. No, it's, nope, it's still gone. <laughs> uh, my answer is Barbara. 
And it's because of something she said in an earlier episode about you joked about like a Canadian uh, like location and like a Canadian neighborhood. Uh, I would actually. So there are other like tabletop role playing systems that like aren't D&D. They're like much simpler and much more role play oriented, like no combat, but still like keep the story moving. There's one called Kids on Bikes where you just play a bunch of like neighborhood kids and like different like there's like some like fantasy elements that you can roll into it or like kind of supernatural thing, kind of like Stranger Things or stuff like that. But I can see you running like a, a short four episode campaign we do in between like these heavy D&D campaigns. That's just like you running a story of a bunch of kids in you know Canada. <laughs> All right, everyone, you wake up. It's negative 25 degrees Celsius oh, outside. Your car is frozen. You have to chip the ice off the windshield. <laughs> no, it's either Canada or it's Texas, February of last year. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I did get down to negative 25, but yeah. And negative 20, close enough. (laughs) Yeah, but it did get to negative 20 inside inside the house. Yeah. Yeah. That's negative 13 Fahrenheit for our American listeners. (laughs) Okay, uh, that's everyone, right? Yes. And while we were talking, I have decided I will become lucky. Ooh, I think lucky is a really, really good feat. It is, yeah. I have decreed. I'm going to get so annoyed when you make me re-roll. Now, in the view, I know that's why you got it. It's it went out to, to, to steal my joy. Because I still have like a finite amount of luck. I only have the three luck points. So that means I can still get my D1s and just fall flat on my face. I think three per long rest is way too many. I think that's OP. I oh, think it should be. Shoot. Wo- Maybe I should rethink that because is long rest, is that still going to be a long rest or is that going to be like when I go into my trance? Your trance counts as a short uh, rest. Trance. Or as a long rest. Yeah. 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 Long rest, yeah, it's trance. I won't abuse it. <laughs> it should only be one per long rest, but oh well. That's what they decided. Uh, I've got a question here from at Lemon Fish Legs. What is each of your favorite VO for a side character in the story so far? Uh, I love the show, and at the moment, no one's died yet. Let's hope that's still true when the Q&A comes out. Oh, Kayla as uh, mm. the daughter of that cannibal. Meld. Yeah. I, th- I like that because I think that we all knew that that was going to be voiced by somebody special and like Kayla did a great job. She was very sweet. I I really like Hannah's performance as Paralyte. Mm. It's so it's so creepy. It's so good. Um, also, Eric as Brink Tussler is fun <laughs> yeah. just because it's like <laughs> the perfect one. fit. <laughs> it's just like, hey, yeah, I'm Brink Tussler. Like, it's just his little rat voice. <laughs> he nails yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. I think Brink Tussler and then I like I like Ben Asleek. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there it is there it is it, 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 fishing for those inspirations inspiration for chris hey. uh, uh and then uh i don't know who else was really fun james played like a arnold sports <laughs> oh that character. was so funny especially because i had no idea that was going to be james or that it was going to be an arnold Schwarzenegger character until i listened to it <laughs> uh, i will add on to the uh ben is sleek train because it is really funny dunking on chris or ben or sleek rather and knowing that ben plays him and he will have to voice these responses and just seeing his little icon just muted just knowing he's just letting listening to us dunk there are times him. i want to chime in in the recording with just like oh kyborg my best friend <laughs> <laughs> my favorite so far i think has been christian is bezler the the goblin salesman mm. and not just because he has a great voice but because inadvertently the one time he was the like we had the italian accent going and i had to reach out to him and go so christian you can do the goblin voice right he goes yeah i went can you do that with an italian accent and he went uh i'll try <laughs> That's really funny. I also I should mention as well, um, Trevor as as Hugh. <laughs> it was really funny, like because he told me that you guys reached out to him to voice that character, and in my head I was like, I know that you die. <laughs> like, <uh-oh. laughs> I think he did a great job, though. I'm not biased whatsoever. I like that we knew that he was playing that, so we were all like, Oh, you and <laughs> what's his face have a thing, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Being obnoxious. You, oh, blink, blink. Yeah. That's like probably one of the the most fun things about the show and just being able to listen back adds so much to it for us is because we can hear our friends and coworkers, Mm -hmm. which are mutually exclusive. (laughs) We have another question here from at Mr. Misnomer. What are the Infinite's past achievements? What are they known for? Um, Well, probably uh, for Micah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
I would say extinguishing the great forest fire of the Embryoak Woods. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, settling the mm. dreaded dragon disputes amongst the people of Tetera. Mm. And who could forget establishing a rapport with the heathens in the flats of Tabul? I mean, come on, guys. We all know this. Uh, who could forget? Who elementary. Could forget? They're, all, they're all stories everyone grew up hearing. Yeah, it was really cool when they uh, when they gathered uh, uh, up all the Infinity Stones and got them back to where they were supposed to go. <laughs> you mean the Sangriaite? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a happy hour at a tavern sangria night. Sangria night. <laughs> we have a, a question from at guy smiley 77 uh, great username. Uh, what character has evolved the most from where the player originally pictured him? Uh, was it to benefit the team or a personal natural change? Hmm. Is that for us to answer or you guys as the game? Yeah, yeah, for you guys. I have a biased opinion. Go for it. I wanted to be a dumb character. Couldn't be a dumb character because someone in this party has to actually do things and proceed us forward. We have <laughs> anchors and dumb characters galore. So I had to once again be dad and just <laughs> do things like, okay, we're leaving this room. Don't ignore your past. I think we all step up in, into leadership roles from time to time. Like Bart, I would never consider a dumb character. No, I, I wasn't including them- Bart when I was saying that. I wasn't including <laughs> Bart at all. <laughs> I, I want to be I that. I want to be very clear. <laughs> Bart is not one of those First people. All, John, how dare you call Barbara's character dumb? Uh, <laughs> no, but like, I think we all have directions. I do a backflip! <laughs> <laughs> we all have characters that, and we have things, directions that we like to take them in. Like, I think Gum Gum is the true dumb character, but he has a pure heart. So like those decisions that he makes are, you know, good. And Bart is just mischievous. And then Kyborg is just like, hey, he just wants to show off. And- Stubborn? Yeah. I don't I don't think of Bart as mischievous at all. Bart actually exerts the most, uh, other than when he fails at flirting. Which is rare. He exerts the most social skills and empathy of the group. I get a lot of mischief vibes from Bart. Bart is very, I, I think he's multifaceted, I think is the point we're trying to get to here. He's a, a very well-rounded character in every sense of the word. Mm. He is. Um, both physically and mentally. And, uh, he, yeah, he's like, he's sneaky. He's got good stealth, but he's also very charming and very perceptive and, you know, just a all around great guy. Multifaceted, a real gem, huh? Real gem. I guess I'll say to answer the question and it's not any of us, I would say Brink Tussler had a good like (laughs) character development because by the end Mm. of it, he ended up saving the infinite interns. I still hate Eric. Oh, you're giving you're giving him credit. Never, no. Uh, also, uh, 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 Sleek went from the powerful, godlike, you know, force of nature to whatever he is now. So <laughs> I like seeing people making uh, like little memes of uh, Sleek before he joined the party and after he joined the party. I see the I see those on social media every now and then. It, I think they're really funny. That's funny. I want to see. But I think that's a, probably a good point to go ahead and end this episode on. Uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed this. Uh, I got like a refresher on the story so far. Got to see what everyone's uh, playing with now when they level up. And uh, we can kick it off with a brand new episode here real soon. Next time we'll have another new episode kicking off the new arc. So thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll, you'll hear from us soon. Yeah.